bing signals the start of the recording hello everybody how are you good morning tom i am well hey tom how are you how are you doing very well we're in a rare situation where i am working today and you two have a lovely day off but you've kindly agreed to come along and um and and join me on the podcast because i don't think me just talking to myself would be very interesting so thank you i i concur (laughs) you are very welcome Yeah, I'm not sure it'd be much of a conversation, would it? No, I don't think so. You'd have so. to put, I don't know, a pot plant or something in front of you to chat to. And it would quickly, <laughs> quickly move on to that fascinating subject of non-league football. So, Well, it's funny you should mention non-league football. Wait, I won't spoil it. More in a minute. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. I'm Hugh Fort. Hello. I'm Hugh Fort. I'm Rachel Nemeth. <laughs> and I'm Tom Canning. And welcome to episode 103 of the Real Reading Podcast. You can like us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod, and you can search Real Reading Podcast Group to join us on Facebook. Um, apologies for the slight delay there. Uh, Rachel is uh, only in Caversham, but she may as well be in America, I guess. Um, Rachel, why, why is your internet lagging? Just, just let us know. Oh, um, I assume there was a lag there before I started yes. talking. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my multitasking, solo petting, and uh, trying to record a podcast. So Zachary's <laughs> currently watching a film, which I never thought about the fact that actually the film would be downloading as he was watching it. So he's currently using all the broadband, <laughs> which bad mama planning. Thought, you I have a, bit, you have a VHS. Nicely. Uh, no, we've got a, a projector with uh, the big old reels here. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like... <laughs> oh, just downloading something physical like that off the internet as well. I imagine that takes up all of the pipe. Oh. Well, hopefully it won't take too long and then I'll suddenly <laughs> kick into real time. What film is it? Oh, it's a new one. It's called Hop, about a rabbit uh, by Russell Brand, who uh, quits his role as the Easter Bunny because he wants to become a rock star. <laughs> so that that sounded right up Zachary's street. So, uh, yeah, he's quiet at the minute, so I assume he's enjoying it. <laughs> Zach is uh, he's well into uh, Freddie Mercury, isn't he? Yeah, did you see the pictures? Oh, oh yeah, see the pictures, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, uh, yeah, he insisted that he wanted a little, little moustache drawn on with my eyeliner so that he could rock out properly to Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> I was very proud. 
Well, if he's as, if he's as talented as Freddie Mercury, you're going to have a nice uh, nice life yeah. there, Rich. Oh, honestly, Rich and I just cross our fingers every day. Please, please let him ha- be like to follow in Freddie's footsteps. Please have the voice and of be, an angel. Yeah, and an ultimate entertainer. That would be. Yeah, well, he's already pretty entertaining, so he's on his way there. You could uh, you could pretty soon you could be moving up to the name streets in Gavisham, the named houses, rather than the no. numbered ones. Come on. Right, um, Rachel, I know my roots. Rachel of, I know my roots. Of, of the Warren. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that? You're, you're, you're rich living by the Thames. <laughs> that would go right again. Okay. I, I think I think Richard after he'd have to um, really go against his his, his sort of is it, is it mod? Is he a mod? He is he'd a mod. To, he'd have to really go against his sort of you know his. his I'm sure living by the river though. I'm, I'm sure you could. You could, I, 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 all my scruples would go out the window for a for a house. Well, in fairness, we already live near the river, but it's more in a flood zone rather than an affluent <laughs> <laughs> riverside setting. Some, sometimes the river comes to you. Yeah. Um, we should uh, we should move on really. Um, I haven't even bothered to do the to do, to do the bit where uh, I tell you what's coming up yet. So um, I'll tell you everybody what's coming up. Uh, we've got some of the week's headlines, including developments on the Reading Golf Course Homes Plan, um, which uh, I know we've spoken about before, um, but there is some there are some developments. Um, more mounted police in town, um, and we will find out why the council are bailing out Greenwich Leisure, um, which. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. This week's big interview, uh, I mentioned non-league football. The week, this week's big interview is with Victoria Pike, who is the club treasurer, facilities manager, bar person, and much more uh, at Reading City Football Club. So, um, I think it's time to hear from Jeremy about how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Real Reading Pod, and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, guys, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I was going to tell you about the Loop the Loop Man. Um, are you aware of the Loop the Loop Man? I don't remember that. Well, you—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not something you have to remember. It's current. So, um, so my my wife is part of Reading Gossip Girls. Ah, uh, similar uh, to the Caversham Gossip Girls, where I get all my knowledge. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, of course from Berkshire Live. Yes. Oh, yeah, and that is my other source. Yeah, where Berkshire Live gets all its news from. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't ever check to see if the news is the same. Um, so, yes, she was telling me about um, a post on there, and she sent me some screen grabs. It's quite good. Does the Loop the Loop Man ever take a break, or is it every sunny day? This was back on the 10th of August. Now, the Loop the Loop Man is uh, someone who has a plane who for years and years and years, every time it's sunny, and usually on a Sunday, you can hear him from my house in Southcote going, Oh, the aerobatics. No, it's just a bloke who stands at the end of the road doing that. So I don't have any uh, info on this person because it could be a woman. Um, could be could be a man, could be a woman, don't know. But from some sort of local airfield, and I've always thought probably Woodley, but I guess it could be White Waltham or 
um possibly farnborough i don't know it feels like it might be a little bit too is far there an airfield at woodley where they can take i'm off pretty sure them. woodley airfield is a housing estate Tom. so uh, is it okay. yeah. <laughs> well, that, that they just ruined. they just shoot down the bait away and take off as they get to showcase <laughs> i think but anyway there's, there's a guy so there's there's a person who's who's doing all of this um, and obviously the the comments and the responses to this are uh wide and varied um one person said my kids love watching him from the trampoline um another person said, i generally can't even see him i can just hear him which is which is me i don't think i've ever seen the plane um and one there's one like so so there's lots of people going oh yeah my kids love it and then there's other people just going uh, it's every day and has been for years and drives me crazy dull buzz constantly i know i sound like a grumpy old woman but it does my head in um and then there's another one it's been irritating me for years i was told it was mold the scrap man don't know if that's true um but yeah they're just i don't know just something that, that i'd not even thought about being a thing and then someone called him the loop the loop man and and there you go i don't know if anybody knows i'd love to speak to the loop the loop man fascinating was it the mold the scrap man uh, as in j mold oh j mold i know mr yes. mold do you i do oh. john <laughs> I think I used to do his recruitment adverts for him many, 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 think, many think, moons ago. I think it's Mold Junior now. It is oh, indeed. It, yes, it is. He's also Jay, but I think I know him so well I've forgotten his first name. <laughs> Justin. So, Jack. Jack. <laughs> Could just be Jay. Um, I so yes, I don't. I don't really have anything more on that. I just. I, I I quite enjoy listening to him going. It does get annoying after a while, but if anybody knows the Loop the Loop Man, if anybody can put us in touch with the Loop the Loop Man, I'd love to speak to him and find out. You know, are we sure it's the same Looper Looper? No, not even slightly. <laughs> not even slightly. Um, okay. Which you think, reminds... you think the Loop the Loop Man is like Lassie? In that there's loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, we don't get them over this way I don't remember ever seeing one here but if I'm at my parents in Son and Common they quite frequently have them if you don't hear it it's got to be somewhere close to here then so yeah. I don't know where that would be but White Walton anyway. maybe yeah. there. sort of Maidenhead way isn't it yeah and you can get, you can get... Airfield. Uh, yeah yeah <laughs> there's one on the yeah. way to Wallingford, yes. isn't there? Yes, there is. Yes, yeah, mm. I think Blackbush is still in existence. Yeah. So we we've narrowed it down to um, one of possibly three, maybe four, depending on status of housing states. Um, somewhere in Berkshire. So we've narrowed it down maybe to somewhere near. <laughs> yeah. Um, we do have one bit of feedback. Um, I saw Councillor Ashley Pierce last week. Um, very nice man. Um, but he said he was listening to last week's pod. Um, he said this was to do with the Southgate Library, which is we were talking about, which is going to become homes. And we weren't we weren't sure what was happening to Whitley Library. Um, he says just listen to the pod. Whitley Library moved into Reading Council Community Hub a couple of years ago, like Southcote, and the old site is in the process of being sold to a community group for community use and not flats. The old frontage and trees are protected. Uh, I said to him, I'd clear good. that up, so that's good news. Um, talking of news, shall we discuss the news? Hello. I feel like we need a news jingle. Yeah, 
Jeremy to do something. Could could we get him to act as some sort of paper man who sells sells newspapers or something? Going the news, stop, stop press. Oh, like the guy who used to stand outside Marks and Spencers selling the post (laughs) in the good old days. Yeah, we do need a jingle. Um, first up, uh, is the first plans for sprawling 260 home Reading Golf Club development revealed? Now, Hugh, you know a little bit of the background of this. It's complicated because it's in two separate. Uh, is it districts or is it under two separate? Uh, If you want to get really. really council nerd local democracy nerd about it one's a borough and one's a district oh and please do not ask me to explain the difference between the two because <laughs> i need to phone my mum <laughs> <laughs> phone a friend phone your mum <laughs> yes so this plan is in at reading golf course which half of which the majority of which in fact is in south Oxfordshire, um and some of which is in Reading, Reading Borough. The application is for 260 homes, mm-hmm. and that is on the bit of the golf course that's in Reading. Um, it would be, unlike most planning applications in Reading, it, it contains f- ho- houses rather than flats, building on part of the golf club. The golf club is moving uh, yeah. to Caversham Heath, leaving the whole golf course um, empty so the first plan for 260 homes has been submitted to reading council um obviously because it's so close south Oxfordshire council will also have have its own input into the plans um there are various concerns people in emma green um and caversham have as well as actually in South Oxfordshire as well, because it, it's it's so close. It's so in villages like Sonny Common, where I am now, there are also concerns. My my father's on the parish council, and he said that they're going to have a, a long discussion about it because <laughs> of the traffic impact of it. Um, because it's houses rather than flats, there isn't the um, uh, the the thing they have in the Reading Town Centre where they build a very large amount of homes with a very small amount of car park spaces. This has got more car parking space considerably more car parking spaces than there would be houses in this application um and so the fears are from people of the uh the the road the roads being clogged up the access to the site not being not being great um losing a massive green space um which um which you know, it's it, golf course is it's a big golf course, so um, which I think was open for public use during lockdown, wasn't it? Which was really popular for people walking and yeah, getting and, out um, and about. Yeah, and it's a golf. It had been a golf course as well, where people who weren't members could go and play as well, um, which is not that they're not that easy to find as a amateur, very amateur golfer. They're not that they're not that easy to find around here, so um there there is that but the the big concern is that once um once these plans are in and approved that another plan will be put in for the rest of the golf course which is much bigger yeah um the the golf course i think the golf club has stated that that's that's not going to happen anytime soon but it hasn't been ruled out and it it seems quite likely rather than just leaving a great expanse of land to become 
which used to be a golf so it's designed as a golf course so it's got you know it's got fairways and the and the old greens and stuff like that um it suggests something will happen to it but yeah at this stage there isn't a plan a second plan in for that land so we'll have to wait and see what happens with that um and yeah there's, that's um there's there's a lot of emphasis in this planning application on on making sure that the it's not so much the golf course aesthetic as in it won't still necessarily still look like a golf course but um keeping a lot of the trees that are already mm. there because obviously a lot of work goes into these golf courses to make them look look nice and have all the sort of greenery and what they, you know what they call rough and stuff like that um and so the, the, there will be green areas potentially within this development but it is i think it's very much aimed at families and the, there's there's some quite big big houses in the application i forget what the uh, the deep the breakdown oh, the... of what's what but there's there's certainly i think four beds on there um what about other infrastructure hugh like you know because that's obviously huge on doctors and there's, schools and it's also there's no school um which is a concern even though it's aimed at families yeah there's no school um this school's provision there is another school being built in reading at some point nearby by rivermead which i that's a guess. secondary school but over the hill and emma green i believe are probably pretty fully subscribed each year which would be the yeah. two catchment schools for that area yes there is there's always this concern when there's these big big applications um and the developer says uh developers usually say well we've not been asked to put a school in um, but there's, there is a health centre. That's <laughs> not my problem, in other words. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is a health centre. So the the um, the residents, people living there, will have access to doctors on the site. But in terms of schools, uh, what are we looking at? We're looking at, you know, it's a, it's a five-year permission. Well, where are we, August? Permission probably not until next year. Building work. Well, the club doesn't leave till 2021 anyway. Um, so building work to start after the club leaves, say, I'm, I'm just speculating here, but say the middle of next year, first homes to open maybe three years, from four years from now, say. So that does give, mm. that gives the uh, the council the opportunity to, to provide the extra school places that this development would need. Um, you know, it's an obligation to provide school places, and it's there's an obligation to provide housing. So the council should, if it is minded to approve this development, be you know on top of that situation. What would happen if there's another bigger development submitted on the rest of the golf course and schooling? Yeah. Who knows? But that's potentially way down the line. Way down the line. It, um, I wonder what kind of housing it's going to be as well, because if you're saying it's sort of family orientated and I guess two, three, four, five bedroom properties and things that, you yeah. know, I know they're, they're building quite a big one in Sonic Common at the minute and there's nothing available there for less than about half a million, which it, <laughs> it's a lot of money. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, if you're building 260 or whatever houses for half a million plus, I, you know. There's 85 
affordable houses contained in the um in this development which which meets meets the council's requirement um of that affordable homes being as we discussed last week 70 percent rental of market rate like council houses but probably not run by the council um but yes in terms of the other houses there they're likely to be quite pricey as is as is the way with this area large houses hugh you said um about sort of trying to keep the aesthetic and I've just got images in my head of like someone's front garden being a bunker or, um, <laughs> you know, perhaps there's perhaps a little flag out the front that you can lift out just as you sort of pot a ball. I don't know. Um, oh okay. yeah. Little golf buggies parked yeah. outside every house. Yeah. <laughs> and you get a caddy. <laughs> um, the, the, the second story we just wanted to look at was um, Thames Valley police are uh, deploying some, mounted officers around the town and and i i i sort of i always when i see this i kind of i wonder oh what's that but it, it's about it's it's not so much about sort of um uh it's it's not so much about uh putting more officers on the streets or anything it's, it's more about being a presence and being visible isn't it i think yes yeah so the, it's in response there's been um there have been some fairly major and rather nasty violent attacks around the reading area in uh in the last since the start of august and the police are it's um just you know increasing patrols around the area as a way a way of being approachable and for people to talk to them and to be able to deal with anything that does happen swiftly i would guess as well um we've had we've had a, we've had some stabbings um one of which happened in scouse lane um on monday a woman um a woman was in very quite seriously injured in an attack uh by the by the thames um was that a cent- random attack or is by somebody that she i don't knew? know i don't know the they, they've called it an isolated incident um which Suggests they were known to each other. Two were known to each other. We've got to be a little bit careful because a man has been arrested, Um, and um, we'll have to see how that one progresses. There was another incident in Tolhurst, where where, where there was another stabbing as well. Um, Again, arrests have been made over that one, Um, and then a woman was woman was injured in Reading Town Centre as well in the early hours of of. the morning uh, in August the 15th, so the so last week. Um, that was outside Metro Bank. She was pushed over by someone mm. and, and suffered some quite bad injuries, broken nose, broken cheekbone, cool. broken eye socket and had to go to hospital. Uh, again, someone has been arrested. Um, and so then there was the this, one up this, at Cemetery Junction. Yeah, I was just, yeah uh, that, was, that was earlier this month on August the 4th. Um, and that that's the only one where no one's been arrested as of yet and police are still urging people to come forward with information over that so some nasty incidents in various different parts of the town um and the police just are just trying to make 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 themselves more approachable and make people feel a bit safer and um so if you see the mounted officers around it's likely that there's not some massive operation going on it's just to it's just to you know to have that presence and make people feel a bit safer it's a it's a funny one isn't it because obviously 
they were you know they want to be seen and there's you know you, you can't really miss someone sitting on a big horse but sort of in terms of being approachable i don't know not every see uh, someone sitting on top of a big horse looking up at them trying to trying to ask i utterly understand the point of what they're trying to do <laughs> just if they want to be approachable i'm not sure sitting on a big horse is is uh <laughs> This is the way to go about it. The there's plenty of, there are plenty of they're more quite imposing. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're sort of face to face with the horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they used to quite often have mounted police up at football and stuff. Yeah. Um, and you, well, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't, uh, not that I would anyway, <laughs> but you wouldn't put a toe out of line if there was a no. load of horses about. <laughs> they, they, do, they do make you act sensibly, don't they? Because. Cool, they're a bit. They're a bit. I, I remember my my mum used to work with horses, and she's always telling me about a horse broke her leg, as mm. in my, as broke my mum's leg, and I was like, oh god, just by kicking her. Oh, Ouch. oh dear. Right. Um. So yes. So I, I'll be, to be honest, I'll be looking forward to see some uh, some mounted. It's obviously not for good reasons, but I think uh, it's always good to see the horses out and about. Um. And where did they go? Like just down Broad Street and stuff. In down or, Broad Street, yeah, maybe. They're just going to target areas that. Because those incidents that you've just mentioned, Hugh, they're quite spaced out. It's not yeah. sort of highlighting highlighting one particular area that's having I think trouble. They're in Prospect Park yesterday. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. Okay. I think I saw that. It does. It does also occur to me. Do, you know, you know, dog owners have to carry their um, the excrement <laughs> around in a little a little plastic <laughs> when it happens. Do, do, does does the policeman police person no. off the horse and and drown in a bin bag? I know why. I know why the answer. To, I know the answer to this because <laughs> okay. I actually asked someone I know about about their horse and what happens when they're trotting down the road and it it needs the toilet and they just because horses only eat grass. That's their uh, their their poo is not like it's not as horrible as dog dog poo. So <laughs> it, 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 they just leave it and it's it just sort of rots, rots away quite quickly. And oh, lovely! So also, there's an enormous amount about it of, of horse of horse done when it goes and it's be much more difficult you have to take like, a box with you or something like that <laughs> wouldn't you? i remember seeing a thread on um yeah again back to my uh fountain of knowledge caption gossip girls about that somebody wasn't happy that some people had been riding horses around their streets and it had done that and she didn't like it and then everybody else pounced on it and was like why didn't you just go and like shovel it up for your garden? Because yeah. it's excellent for the roses. <laughs> so <laughs> if they do do it down Broad Street, then um, they should just have somebody follow in, take it in a wheelbarrow yeah. to Fulbury Gardens yeah. and just, you know, fertilise everything with it. <laughs> um, thanks, guys. I think I think we'll move on from um, horse <laughs> From horse poo. Yeah, should do, probably. Um, <laughs> The, these have all been slightly directed at Hugh this week. Sorry, Rach, I do apologise. Um, That's all right, I'll just chip in. Yeah, well, it's what you and I do best, isn't it, really? Um, get Hugh to answer the big questions, and we just come up with the funnies. Um, <laughs> or there will be a £410,000 council bailout for the struggling firm behind Reading's leisure centres. That's, that's GLL, which is Greenwich Leisure something, or I think they, they are also known as Limited. Better. Ah, Greenwich yeah. Leisure. They're also known as bed. I, I read in this piece one of the interesting thing is, things in this piece was that they're a not-for-profit business, which I thought was interesting. I just wondered if you could. I know this isn't your story, Hugh, but I wondered if you could just delve into this a little bit. 
Because it's about swimming pools, isn't it, really? that's Yeah, it's about our old friends, the, the swimming pools. Yeah, delay. So the first thing to point out is that these, these pools, which are promised, and um, the council is under considerable pressure to deliver, um, unfortunately have been hit by coronavirus and are going to be delayed by a further six months. Um, GLL, Greenwich Leisure Limited, um, which it runs Rivermead, Rivermead already, um, is is the company who's going to do all this for the council. But um, because of coronavirus, it it is no longer going to sign the contract it has been given um, by the council until next spring. Um, and but the council has had to to pay four hundred and ten thousand um, pounds because they they want to they want to get on with it. Um, so the the council the next stage is to sign what's called a planning cost agreement to pay eight hundred and sixteen thousand pounds for the preparation work mm. for the pools, um, and then the council retains the intellectual property rights over the designs that GLL come up with if the contract isn't signed. So presumably that means they will if they will uh, find someone else to build it in the same way um, if GLL is unable to do it. Um, this kind of plays, it's just another twist in this saga of, of the new swimming pools um, and goes back again to why, why I know, I know the Arthur Hill pool and the central pool are expensive and old, but they've both been closed and nothing will replace them. And now this is going to be delayed again. I know coronavirus is no one's fault. Um, but it it puts more pressure on the council to deliver these projects as quickly as possible, and for them to be them to be good and much better than they existed in the first place. And um, the protesters have been uh, Peter Burt, who is an active protester from the Arthur Hill um, campaigners. Uh, so it says it's so it's one point two million pounds in total the council's gonna be spending on this contract. He said it was eye watering and uh has a question why the council um is is outsourcing its its leisure services rather than running themselves. Um and the reason is because the the council can't won't be able to afford the ongoing running of it and so um has to get someone else to do it. Can I ask you how this compares to another story that I saw on Berkshire Live this week about Bullmersh? Was it Bullmersh, the yeah. new leisure centre? And it was like £14 million or something to open this new leisure centre with a pool and gym and stuff. Is that open to the public? Yeah. And I imagine it's that's part of Wokingham. Yes, very near Reading. Um, Is that the so difference? People in... Well, I don't know the exact ins and outs of it, but certainly Wokingham decided it was going to replace Bournemouth Leisure Centre, approved a planning application to rebuild Bournemouth Leisure Centre and has rebuilt and reopened in it in about four years. Um, it, it, it had, I suppose the advantage was that the centre was already there and already owned by the council and the council just had to organise rebuilding it. 
and on the same site and making it better. Whereas, and it didn't have it. It wasn't fit for purpose, but um, I. What should I say? It, it it just needed knocking down and rebuilding. Whereas Arthur Hill was definitely not fit for purpose, and also a historic building, and therefore knocking it down wasn't really the option. Reading Central has been knocked down, and will eventually be replaced by something else. Um, but why? Why Reading wasn't further along with planning the new, the new leisure centres before it closed the old ones, apart from the obvious reason of costs, um, will be certainly used as a stick to beat them with by their opponent, by the, peop- the people objecting to these plans. No one is, no one ever protested the closure of Reading Central. It was always Arthur Hill, um, <laughs> and uh, but to close both the pools and be so and not at all be along the line to replace them is something that people are always going to criticise them for. Mm. Because there was surely at Central a lot of swimming clubs and diving clubs and synchronised swimming and all of that. And where on earth have they gone? Probably, probably sitting quite happily, knowing they'll never have to dive off the top board at Reading Central ever again. <laughs> and we're back to the diving board. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, thanks, guys, for your uh, input into the news this week. Um, that is it for part one. In part two, we'll be chatting with Victoria Pike from Reading City Football Club. The Big Interview. Hi everyone, uh, I'm here with Vicky Pike uh, at Reading City Football Club. Hello Vicky, how are you? I'm alright, thank you, how are you? Not so bad, not so bad. I've been trying to get you to do this for ages. I know. Um, how are you feeling? I know you're a bit nervous. Um, I'm fine actually. I suppose we've just been busy with the game and yeah. we've had youth training, so had a busy evening, so I haven't had time to think about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so how uh, Reading City Football Club? Um, it's a relatively new club, mm. but obviously it's, it's on Scours Lane. Uh, yeah. Sort of to, we're, we're West Reading, aren't we? I always get these mixed up. It's yes. Yeah. We're, so it's yeah. sort of it's sort of at the back by Stadium Way, behind the industrial units, down a little lane. But if you don't know you're looking for it, you might never find it. True. Yes, yeah. I think there's good um, rail connections and bus links <laughs> yeah. and so on. So it's fine. How how did you get involved with a non-league football club? Um, my son joined Reading City uh, was about six or seven years ago. And um, so it was running an under-10s team. So I decided to do the admin. But I started to look outside of the team thinking, oh... They need a few procedures in place and, <laughs> and a few others need help with their admin. So um, I ended up, um, a memo came out and I was on that, named to do all of the youth finance. <laughs> so I said, well, how many teams are there? I don't know anything about football. How many teams are there? And they said, at the time, 17 teams. So I didn't even understand what a JPL um, league was compared to an East Barts yeah. league. Didn't know anything. Um, so yeah, that's what, how it started. What's your what's your background in in sort of in, in work? Um, or... Yes, yeah, so I used to work for a company called Regis that rent office space. Um, I was there for ten years. So predominantly, I've worked in credit control and finance and admin. So it's right up your street. What you were doing then? Yes. Do 
was did you think did, did you need to know what a JPL and an EBFL and a do you need to know what that is or is it, does it help? Um, it's yeah, I've sort of progressed over the years. So this is will be my fourth season. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was a bit apprehensive at first, um, but you, when I took on the work here, it's something you've got to make of your own. Um, and I think I just came in, snowballed in, and then within that first season, there's a WhatsApp group. I'm really kind of sort of bossing the managers around, the youth managers, um, and sort of getting them to get all their finances collated and pushing out admin to them. So, and that, I grew confidence with that over the time and how the seasons. How, how, do, how, do the, how do the managers react to that? Is it, did you get, you have a good, good rapport <laughs> with them, I presume? Yeah, I think I snowballed in, I made the job my own, which I love. Um, and um, I did end up with a nickname after the first season, Karen Brady. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it all started off. Um, and then after the sort of, second season um i started to help out more centrally um with the you know the first team and the under 23s and then the third season i came along and i started to update the um procedures for the clubhouse because there weren't many at the time so you know introduce contactless etc yeah. and many other procedures um I think just at this point, it's probably worth just pointing out that, that the people at this club that run this club are all volunteers, aren't they? Does that include yes. yourself? Yes. So you do this for the love of... Yeah. Um, I get paid for match days. Right. Um, but so the rest you of the, it... you work at the bar on a match day, yeah? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I never thought I'd pull a pint. I've <laughs> never, ever pulled a pint. I was really apprehensive about that as well. But I love the atmosphere. And um, yeah, I do. Yeah, it's great. I, th I think um, so, just just speaking to the chairman Martin. Yeah. Um, you, you this this season and this summer, especially with with COVID and and with the way that that non-league football's sort of just been been left to its own devices. Really, you, I think you from what he was saying, you you've really kind of stepped into a a, a sort of an overall bossy role. Uh, yes. What what have you been <laughs> up to? What what has been because some people who who come to this club probably. Um, entirely fairly in the past have thought oh, it's not very good there mm. it's you know the the pitch isn't very good the car park isn't very good but that that has all changed I've seen it for myself that has all changed in the yes. in the last couple of years and you, and and Martin was telling me you, you guys have made the most of the Covid break so what have, what have you been up to what's changed um well I've used materials around us really um so we've sort of looked around the ground and we found uh, quite a few old signs that the festival had um, so we put quite a few signs up and so on. Presentation's key for me because when I used to work at Regis it's all about you know the focus and the you know the cleanliness and so on so we ended up sort of painting uh, reinforcing and stabilizing all the veranda outside the clubhouse painting beams um, jet washing um, and yeah, all the pitch walls, painted all of those. Yeah. Yeah. But even to a point that we had the uh, pitch um, sea drilled um, and then a drought came along. Yeah. So even to the point I've been watering the pitch as well. So it's, we've, I've done many jobs. <laughs> um, but while we done that, it was what little spare money we had, we said we have to invest in the car park. Um, so it was a job that we had a certain quote for, 
Um, but as they started the work, it ended up that we had to get in scalpings. So then we've put all of our reserves into the um, scalpings to make a great surface. Yeah. But we kind of run out towards the end. And that's why we're still looking for yeah. um, sponsors for scalpings to so help So it's, it's not quite finished then, but it's it's certainly, you won't be getting out of your car and putting your foot in a puddle. No, so, no, which is, which which is, is a relief. Yeah. <laughs> it is a relief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did, I did sort of say to you before we started this, I didn't want to dwell on sort of the idea of a woman being involved in a non-league mm. football club. But the, some of the people listening to this will know that I'm keen on my on my lower league football. And it, and it is fair to say there aren't many women involved in the game at this level. Yes. How do you feel about that? What would you say to, and how would you think about maybe getting more? more? And I guess it, it's almost like a, a sort of a diversity um, mm. sort of question as well really because ha- people because everybody likes football the majority of people like football yeah. but you were sort of saying you don't really I don't underst- have no interest in it <laughs> particularly I don't understand the game of football yeah. um, but um, I like to work on the surrounding mm. you know so the leagues and the setup of running a great community club and that's what I'm here for is to cross the T's and dot the I's but while I work in the youth you, you come across a few people um, that you know you could work well with. Yeah. So I try to draw them into it. Um, I've got a great person who helps us with the youth, the head of youth. Um, that's now Pam Kirkpatrick. Um, she knows a bit about football, actually. <laughs> so she's um, a parent in the JPL um, under 13s team. And also recently, where we've had youth COVID training, I've also, there's another lady and I said, oh, you're very good with your admin. Would you like to come along and help? You know, so what would you like me to Mm. do? So I'm going to try and create um, a social committee and more committees to expand a bit. Is Is it fair to say sometimes it's just a case of asking? Yes. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, because what I find is 24-7. I yeah. wake up and I think, what do I need to do this morning for football? And I go to sleep and go, oh gosh, I haven't done that. It is 24-7 and I don't think people realise no. that. And especially now that I'm working more centrally, I'm now involved more in the senior football and the Hellenic side and learning more about Thames Valley League and so on and working with Woodley as well. Yeah. So it's fair to say it's it's kind of it's all go here really. And, oh, and are, absolutely. There are there any sort of there's quite a few people now involved in this club. You've mentioned a few names. Is there anybody else that sort of sort of stands out? And because certainly the 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 anyone that's previously played a cup final down the years at, at, yeah. at, at what was known as Scours Lane um, would you know would be familiar with what the pitch used to look like at the end of the season. I think it's fair to say it's in a different it's a completely different level now. Yes, yeah. Um, Well, I think I work to sort of, you know, draw people in to help. I tend to work with a lot of the youth, you know, I've got 23 youth um, teams. Um, So mainly with them. So it's just a case of working with people, knowing, and especially while they're here with training, I can get them to help. Um, On this side, it's probably more harder work on you know within the ground because yeah. we're finding at the moment because we're unsure of how covid will be it is actually that it's all hands on deck so i have clean changing rooms i have taken the bins to the top i've painted i've i've done absolutely everything and it can be quite tiring yeah. so it's harder to find 
um, people this side for the seniors and the under 23s. Yeah. Um, but I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I suppose, sort of, what are, you, what are your ambitions for, for the club as a whole and, and perhaps yourself as well? Are you, are you happy to just kind of see as things evolve or, or what, are, what are the ambitions? Um, I think at the moment we've, during COVID, something special has come out of this. And for us, um, I found that there always used to be a big divide between youth teams and the senior team. But what's happened is because of the um, space we've had here, we've run COVID youth training um, under a risk assessed, um, you know, all the risk assessments and so on. We've had one way systems in. But the more and more the youth have used the area, they're now seeing and, and, and merging sort of and seeing, they're like tonight they're watching a game, yeah. just a few of them, just in the distance. Um, but they're seeing and they're meeting this, the senior teams and the senior teams coming along to meet them. That's special because now I feel like we're more united as a club. And that's one thing we've always wanted to do. And a lot of the youth teams have said, oh, I didn't realise this place was here. <laughs> but it's your club. It's yeah. what you want to make of it. If you want to have a presentation evening here, it's for you to use. You just tell me what you'd like. And we're just, you know, if it's free that evening, you can have your own yeah. you know, presentation outside of COVID when, you know, the rules are more relaxed. And And, and I guess sort of... What what would you, what's, what's kind of one, like the one thing you you really want to do? What is your what is, what, okay. is it one like sort of I guess yeah. almost money no object I, I suppose. But well, um, something I don't know if you know about this yet. Um, however, we've just been approved with the Football Foundation to have four G pitch. Right. Um, it is designated to be in Scours Lane. Um, so my ambition is to work through that process to put in a technical plan in place, a community plan. Um, we've been to a welcome meeting already and they used, I think it was the Ascot um, yeah. pitch and their development as their case study. Um, so that's what is the ambition next, is to think about where we'd place a 4G pitch and working towards that. So I think once that's in place, um, the approvals there, it can be done over the sort of, you know, five to ten year yeah. cycle. Um, that's what I'd like to achieve. It is fair to say that if that gets down, then it, then then this place becomes, a, a, you know, almost a 24-7 community Absolutely. hub thing. Yes, um, yeah. Without, without a doubt. Yeah, and that's what we've got to do. So when we put a community plan forward, we've got to say, how would we... You know, have we got the staff to cope with running this 24-7? Can we hire out, you know, um, two halves of the pitch and so on? And can we get walking football in or, yeah. you know, all, a, a women's team in, etc. So, it yeah, great plans. <laughs> great plans. And I guess just, just to sort of finish off, just sort of in terms of Reading, you, you live in Reading, don't you? Tylehurst. Tylehurst. Yeah. So what, what makes you stay in Reading, maybe maybe there's nothing specific, or maybe it's just what you know. What what is it about Reading that kind of keeps you here? And um, yeah, so I've um, I've lived here for twenty five years in um, Tilehurst, and um, yeah, I don't know. I I think uh, when I left Regis, I became the sort of uh, housewife, <laughs> you know, bringing up children and so on, which I loved. Um, but I found my identity again 
um, working in a community club. So that's a great draw. Um, and yeah, I'm just happy here because I like the community feel. Um, it's working really well and, you know, every, it's great to be here. But yeah, there are days it could be tiring and so <laughs> on. Um, I don't think I'd want to work for a different football club or anything. Yeah. It's, I'm just happy here, really. It's not about the money. It's, you know, for the match day money, it's about building a, a, a you know, a proven and sound um, community club. Vicky, thank you very much for joining us today. That was great. You're welcome. The Big Interview. Okay, uh, that was our interview with Reading City Football Club's Victoria Pike. Um, have you guys been down there at all? Um, it's certainly it's changed. If if you have, it will um, it's it's changed a lot since since you've been down there previously. Is it Scours? Yeah. So is 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 it Reading Town Football Club in all but name, or is it something? No, it's a it's a it's a different club. Is there? Um, the the Reading Town Football Club went bust. Uh, that's probably not quite the right legal terminology for what happened, but um, they don't exist anymore. Um, and there's a there's a new club that's there that's taking it on, playing at a relatively high level. They've got hundreds of kids and community-based activities and stuff. And it's also um, the the space where at Reading Festival weekend, they have all of the people working at Reading Festival camp on their, on their site, not on the pitch, but on the surround. There's a large surrounding area, and they, all the workers go and camp there and have a jolly nice time by the sound of things. So I'm I'm ho I had been hoping to go down there and see obviously sample the atmosphere uh, this this year, but uh, of course no Reading Festival means that's not possible. But yeah, um, so that that was quite interesting. Um, I think it's time for this week's random question. The random question. Um, which is in the mug. Here we go. Um, this week's question, right? What did you want to be when you grew up? A receptionist. <laughs> Had high hopes. Why? Uh, uh, I don't know. I rem remember at primary school that being asked that question, and remember drawing myself <laughs> complete with my massive curly hair, um, <laughs> sitting at my desk with a, a phone and my. Compu well, computer, probably a typewriter, <laughs> if we're honest. <laughs> um, yeah, so when I was very small, it was a receptionist. And then when I was a bit older, it was briefly a police officer. But then I think I realised that would demand quite a high level of fitness and realised it probably wasn't for me. <laughs> Hugh, what about you? Rach, I'm sorry, I need to ask. Was it receptionism, receptionism in the family? Is it a, a family career? No. Is that why? I don't know where it came but It probably, I don't know, I'd probably watched a film or a programme or something with with one in it and thought, yeah, I want a piece of that. <laughs> I'm going to be answering the phone and having, <laughs> having a chat and stuff. I don't know. I don't know where it came from, but that's what I wanted to be. Hugh, what about you? Uh, I can remember when I was very young, I wanted to be a pilot. 
and then it was ascertained at quite an early age that I had very poor eyesight. <laughs> and therefore, um, becoming a pilot would be more more tricky. Um, and I remember when I was about when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a music journalist. I got really into <laughs> really into uh, like metal music. And but then as I got older, I realised I, I wasn't that into music, and I didn't really know anything about how music is made <laughs> by not by being incredibly unmusical. So that, and my other, briefly, when I was older, I wanted to, this is going to sound really nerdy. I wanted to be a wrestling writer for the <laughs> WWF at the time. Why am I not surprised by script, that? Be a script writer. Um, <laughs> then, then I realised that, um, I didn't know this, and I don't know if it was the case at the time, but nowadays, the, the people who write wrestling scripts for the WWE are all Harvard graduates and people like that who've got an enormous background in working in TV and things like that. They're like the cream of the crop if it turned you wouldn't you wouldn't realise it <laughs> oh, from listening really? to the they come out with. But yeah, you have to be like highly educated to write wrestling scripts. So that was the end of that was the end of my dream as I am not highly educated. So <laughs> So I was always gonna be some sort of writer. And here I am now. Well, yes. Um, what about you, Tom? Well, I, I was thinking about this. Um, I, when I was at school, I used to, our teachers sometimes used to let us fill the register in, so you could take the register for the class for some reason. And I used to love putting the little mark in. Each day would be a different angle, so it'd go up and it'd be like a zig uh, to the point where. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, I remember that. Little, um, he had like little graph paper or, or or box, and you'd tick it for the for the morning, and then you'd put a downward. Uh, slash for the afternoon yeah. and then for the next day to the point where uh, I used to go home and make my own registers to fill them in um, with with random fake people and I'd and I'd be asking <laughs> so Did so you something your teddies around so that they could <laughs> I may well have yes Tom I'm here <laughs> so I probably I probably wanted to do something involving ticking boxes um, which would have okay. been would have been good, but so you, you'd like to be a teacher, but only doing the register. Yes, and then yes. hand it over to someone else after that. Highly, I'd be <laughs> highly qualified and highly skilled, having come up through the ranks of of the box ticking community. I also wanted to be a train driver. Um, thanks, guys. Um, here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch with the show. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Real Reading Pod, and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. That's quite enough for this week. We're still looking for good people to speak to, someone that would make a good interviewee on the show. If you have any suggestions, please do get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. If you have a moment, please give us a rating uh, on your podcast app, and if you have time, submit a review. Uh, we will be back next week for more Reading Podcast goodness. Bye. You're listening to the Real Reading Podcast.